This is episode 93 of the It's Not About the Alcohol podcast. You are about to hear the second half of my conversation with Cheryl Carroll about what you're getting wrong about being healthy. So if you have not listened to episode 92, which was part one, pause this episode and go listen to the first half of our conversation so that you can get a clear understanding of what's actually holding you back from living in radiant energy and also from feeling strong and sexy in both your mind and your body. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. So let's segue into the discussion of autoimmune disorders and thyroid and some of the more common situations that those of us that didn't get the memo on this early in life have burned ourselves out and drank ourselves into the corner or eaten our face off, like all of the things. And now we wake up in midlife and our hormones are off and our body is now like autoimmune attacking itself because we were not taking care of ourselves. Talk to me a little bit about big picture on that. Yeah. So an autoimmune condition, obviously, as you've just described, is when our immune system is mistaking body parts for a foreign invader and it starts to attack it. So, and that can be, you know, for rheumatoid arthritis, that'll be your joints, for the uh, Hashimoto's, that'll be your thyroid gland. So they can come up in different ways depending on your genetics. So to be diagnosed or to get an autoimmune condition, there are three conditions that need to be met. So the first one is a genetic predisposition. The second one is leaky gut, which I have you spoken on your Not podcast. much for so we'll, you. you didn't so we'll, yes, I'll, yeah. I'll drill into that. So then the second one is leaky gut. And then the third is what I would call a perfect storm of triggers, things that have caused inflammation in your body, disease in your body. So that could be a dormant virus. So the Epstein-Barr virus is a big one, you know, for people with thyroid conditions. It could be a traumatic event when you were younger. It could have been that you picked up a parasite when you went to Bali and that's still sitting in your system, egging you on. And it's got... When I say a perfect storm, it's never just one thing that's created the situation in your body. Like an autoimmune condition will brew in your system, as does cancer. You know, all of these different conditions brew in our body for many years. It could be eight years. It could be even longer. And there have been these subtle signs that things are out of balance. And then one day, just, okay, you've got autoimmune markers that are raised because you get to a point where actually your symptoms can no longer be ignored. Mm -hmm. So those are the three conditions. So obviously you can't change your genetics. You've been blessed with your genes. However, there are three conditions that need to be met. So you've got the majority that you can actually influence, which is amazing. 
when it comes to autoimmune, you can put an autoimmune condition into remission. And that could look slightly different for different women. It may mean, to me, it just means feeling better. Women can feel better when they have an autoimmune condition. Some may be able to get off medication if that's what they want. You know, others may need medication, but they just feel so much better than somebody who is struggling with, the, with an autoimmune condition. The two that we can influence are leaky gut. So leaky gut is where the tight junctions of our intestinal barrier, which is like one cell thick, start to open. So they, they start to be bigger gaps. There are gaps that are, that are there generally, but they are very small. And they'll start to open and open, which means that toxins, undigested protein molecules or particles will start to flow into your bloodstream. And these are things that your immune system doesn't recognize. So they start to tag them as, you know, what is this? And then our immune system will start to attack them and that drives up inflammation. And then there is a a concept called molecular mimicry. So some of these things that are in our bloodstreams look like our cells of the different parts of our body. And so our immune system gets confused and then starts to attack our own body. And then that's how we start to get this autoimmune attack spoken very simply so that's what leaky gut so that's what leaky gut is when the tight junctions in our small intestine start to open up and we just get a lot more things floating into our bloodstream that our body doesn't like and it can cause inflammation and issues can you speak to the root causes of leaky gut so leaky gut can be caused by stress toxins, overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, parasites. So let me just talk a little bit about the triggers. Like when I was talking about the perfect storm of triggers, because actually it's all of these triggers that cause leaky gut as well. Unfortunately, it's it's all... It's all connected? It's all connected. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I know. We're not a silo of individual things. The triggers that can cause or contribute to the onset of an autoimmune condition are toxins, high toxic loads, so environmental toxins, heavy metals, pesticides, they're just so many. That viruses, so any kind of viruses that we have, things that lie dormant in our system, Lyme, Epstein-Barr, etc. Also bacterial overgrowth, so issues in the gut, candida, mold, can all add stress, you know, really disrupted sleep patterns. If you're somebody who works shift work and you haven't been able to optimize those patterns for yourself, mental and emotional stress. So it's really anything that causes stress on the body. So when you think of the bucket, so physical stress would be gut issues, toxins, viruses, smoking, all of those kind of things, sleep disturbance, you know, really poor diet, nutrient deficiencies, and then mental and emotional stress. So trauma is a big one that starts to, like unresolved trauma starts to rear its head for women in midlife because we don't have the blanket of protection of our hormones. So that can really, you know, I really like the stone in the shoe analogy. Like we've been living with the stone in our shoe for a long time and it gets to midlife and we've gouged out half our heel because of the stone that we haven't resolved. And then just 
you know, the pressure cooker that midlife women end up being in with trying to juggle, you know, the kids. I had kids later in life, so that was, you know, a big thing for me, kids who didn't sleep, you know, other people have aging parents or, you know, struggling with empty nest syndrome, just juggling all the balls, the craziness, pandemics, recessions, all of the things that just add and that, you know, that can really just be, you know, all of these things that start to impact our body's ability to function properly. Yeah. So that those are the three, what did we say those were? So those are the three conditions that need to be met in order for somebody to, in order for an autoimmune to manifest in somebody. So for somebody who has got Hashimoto's, so they would need to have leaky gut and they would need to have a collection of these triggers. And the other thing just to say as well is that hormonal fluctuations. So pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, perimenopause, puberty can be times when these autoimmune conditions come to the forefront because that's the straw that breaks the camel's back because our bodies, whoa, these huge hormonal fluctuations. And that's why we're seeing actually so many women being diagnosed with autoimmune conditions in midlife. Like autoimmune is so much higher in women than it is in men. Yeah. And I want to invite the listener to kind of pull out and look at the big picture because when it's you that's diagnosed as an autoimmune disease or disorder, often we go to our doctor, you know, they might be a specialist and we are told our thyroid is under functioning. And it is presented in such a one smoking gun, you know, there is a pill to fix that. Mm. This metric is off in your blood work. We need to bring that metric up. And that solves all the problems. And that is that deconstructionist view of healthcare that we have, that every symptom has only one cause. When it's the exact opposite, like we've already said, everything is interconnected. And when it's you going to the doctor, it is very easy to be lulled into this idea that, oh, I have this problem and this medication will fix that problem. But when you pull out and see the big picture, where are these people at in one year, five year, 10 years? Like there is no health that or health and wellness that comes in a pill bottle. You manage mm-hmm. your symptoms, and then eventually, if you're not correcting the c- cause of those symptoms, you're going to need more medications. You're going to have another disorder. It's going to be a game of whack-a-mole that you just get more and more frustrated and more disabled in your life. So this illusion that correcting one metric in your body is going to solve the problem is the path to, you know, disability. And, you know, you made a really good point that when you have one autoimmune condition, you are then, I think it's three times more likely to get another one. You know, the stats are huge. So it's about because we've got the two pillars that are still, you know, you've still got leaky gut. If you don't get to the cause, as you mentioned, you've still got leaky gut. You've still got these unresolved triggers that are causing inflammation in your system. So yes, you may be medicated, but you medicated for one type of condition and then you're going to get another one. Like a good example of that is I'm working with a beautiful woman who's got rheumatoid arthritis and 
you know, we've been working on her pain, inflammation, and what people don't realize is that thyroid, an underactive thyroid gland, also brings about pain, like joint, particularly neck, hands, feet, knees, hugely linked to thyroid and underactive thyroid and Hashimoto's. And, you know, we were working together and she was just saying, you know, my, I don't understand it. I've never had pain in my knees. And I'm like, we need to do another thyroid test for you. We need to see how your thyroid is going. And yes, so we ran it. And yes, it was actually, and now she's on, we were obviously working on the root causes, but she's on a thyroid medication that's actually giving her, like in the natural desiccated thyroid hormone that's actually giving her what she needs while we're working on everything else because she's got a lot to unpack and that has just made the biggest change in her because she doesn't have knee pain this hand pain and this neck pain so it's really about you think you've got one thing it's like still remaining curious well what else could be contributing in this whole situation and I think for her when we look back it could have actually been her thyroid that was the starting point of everything because the thyroid is the canary in the coal mine. It's the very sensitive gland that starts to freak out when there's a whole lot of danger, physical, mental, emotional, chemical, physical danger. And, you know, that's often what goes off first, but we don't hear the cues. And what I want to highlight that you said is that it's perfectly appropriate to use the medication to support yourself in the process. The mistake would be to think that the medication is fixing the problem. And so to not take the opportunity to allow the medication to support you to then go back and unpack. Can you talk a little bit about what it looks like to address root causes, to discover root causes, to correct for the problems? What does that look like in a step-by-step process? Yeah. So I approach it in in two ways. So the top-down approach is really looking at lifestyle optimization. So all of the pillars that we've already spoken about, you know, with the focus of midlife health. And with that, I'll be looking at, you know, what, what is their condition? Where do they potentially have nutritional deficiencies? And then we've spoken about know, really making sure we've got the right supplementation for them where they do have deficiencies for their particular condition. And then what I do is a bottom-up analysis, so a deep symptom assessment across all the different pillars. So looking at do they potentially have mold exposure, do they have uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, candida, exposure to mercury, lead, you know, all of these different things. So we do a deep dive on that from a symptom standpoint and where they have the finances, we will run lab tests. So it's often out of people's budget, particularly these times to do the extra testing. But if we can, amazing to run, you know, a Dutch test for the hormone. Let's see where their adrenals are at, a hair test for the heavy metals and also to see their mineral balances. Let's see what their gut is looking like. The organic acids test is also an amazing test to do, to look at gut, to look at energy production, you know, to look at toxic load, mold exposure, etc. So we really just look at, well, what, what is their health history? Where is Where do I think we need to be looking? 
you know, have they had exposure to, you know, were they bitten by a tick? Did they have Epstein-Barr when they were younger? And then we can work on protocols to address these particular triggers. But, you know, very often working on nervous system regulation, working on getting the right nutrition in can really take people very far you know, just as a starting point, because I almost feel these days is that I need to get people to a certain level of health in terms of their lifestyle, in terms of managing their stress, sleeping well, to then have the capacity to then do these corrective protocols, because the, the, the protocols can be quite tricky for people when they are, you know, burnt out, you know, killing off candida, killing off, you know, bacterial overgrowth, you're releasing a whole lot of toxins into the system. So we need people to be quite resilient and to be supporting the detox pathways on a daily basis in order to be able to do those protocols as well. So it's really that top down, bottom up approach that I follow with them. And do you see women able to make the turn? You know, where do women struggle the most? Is it the top down or is it the tricky protocols and following through on those? The top down. You know, if somebody, if you say to somebody, you've got candida, here's the protocol to follow. Step by step, you've got the pills, you know, you've got all the the things, they check in with me. What is most difficult is the sustainable lifestyle changes that are needed to support them to step into optimal health. You know, as I work under or studied under, you know, different female doctors, female health, longevity performance coaches. So I apply all of that to coaching my clients because I want them to walk away from the container with me with this lifestyle that's going to help them to just thrive. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard to make these changes. And you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm starting with the mindset, nervous regulation side of things because I want them to know how to bring balance to their systems because otherwise, if I start with nutrition, they're going to be not able to digest and absorb all the good food that I'm asking them to eat. So it's that, but those. Sorry, that's ahead. a really good point, and I want to highlight that as well. If you have leaky gut, you know, First of all, fi- fiber can backfire, you know, all of the vegetables and everything if, if it's being moved into the bloodstream and also feeding, you know, bacteria. Mm-hmm. It is so important to realize that, you know, you can't outrun a health disorder just with a healthy diet or exercise. You know, there is no the, – the big mindset that I used to have as a drinker was that I could balance my bad behaviors with my healthy behaviors. You know, I could do the yoga and the vegan lifestyle and I could run the marathons not knowing what I was doing to myself and thinking that would make up for, I mean, literally I would say out of the words out of my mouth, I have to go run off my hangover. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like I really thought, you know, I just need to eat healthier and that'll make up for, you know, too much wine last night or whatever. And yeah. it just yeah. doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not a mental math problem, you know. Yeah. Particularly for us midlife women. Like unfortunately, we just don't have we don't have the buffer. Our body is going through this big recalibration, which is stressful in itself. So we become less resilient to stress. 
um, we're losing these hormones that do a whole lot for us. And I think that's something that's not understood. We think we need these hormones to have a baby and we're like, awesome, I'm no longer going to have a period. That's amazing. But when you lose the hormones, you feel it because we've got these hormone receptors all over our body. Our hormones do so much for us to help us feel vibrant, have the body that we want, have the moods that we want. And so what that means is when we're going on this journey into menopause, we have to lean into the lifestyle to continue to feel and show up the way we want to in life. And yes, there's no quick solution. Even hormone replacement therapy, I really want your listeners to, I guess, take the message away that hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy has progressed so far. It's so much safer I personally will take it. I personally see it as being super beneficial with the right lifestyle. You know, lifestyle needs to come first. You can't just rely on HRT like a supplement or a drug. Like you need to put in the work to get the best out of it as well. So I think that's really where the focus needs to be. Yeah. And you said one word there that I wanted to pull out, and that is, you know, you're not in the mood learning to recognize our moods as a symptom and not the truth of, I just really don't want to, or, you know, whether it be a bad mood or swinging mood swings or, you know, further down, you know, a lack of motivation, but recognizing that and interrupting that upstream and not just believing that you have no motivation and you're have resting bitch face and allowing that to continue. <laughs> if you're not experiencing joy every day, maybe you don't have autoimmune issues, but that's what's down the road. You know, if you are not experiencing mm. life, you know, head on. And that doesn't mean it's all rainbows, puppies, and unicorns every day. But if you're not actively managing your nervous system and practicing self-care and you know you're out of balance somewhere, like that's just going to continue. You have to correct for the imbalance upstream and bad moods and lack of motivation is the first canary in the coal mine. Yeah. 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 I I totally agree. And I think the biggest issue I see with women is the inability to prioritize themselves. Like they, they, they really struggle to put themselves ahead of anyone else and actually spend the time the money, putting the boundaries in place to be able to do the things or even to be able to spend time to figure out what brings them joy. You know, yeah. when we're in our childbearing years, it's all about, you know, outward. We caretaking, we're doing all the things, you know, and I think it's more challenging for someone like me who's now in perimenopause and I still have young kids who are very dependent on me. It requires a lot of discipline to, you know, prioritize myself and do things that bring me joy and it may look slightly differently it may to if I had a whole lot of extra time but it's you can still do it and it's just that commitment to self that is what is needed for women to actually do all of these different things and it's a real struggle yeah I remember a therapist once told me that it's a lot easier to correct anxiety, although this could go for anything, bad mood, overwhelm, you know, whatever. It's a lot easier to correct it when it's a two out of 10 
than when we let it get to a 10 out of 10. And now, you know, the room is filled with smoke and our nervous systems are on fire. And if you can take the time to correct the lifestyle, correct the diet to the best of your ability, it feels more like you're over your skis, if you will. Your mind and body are synced up. And if you wait until it all unravels way down there, it's going to be a lot harder to walk back up. You know, I I do use that ski analogy because you get ahead of your skis and suddenly you're tumbling down and Mm. then it's so much harder to correct this. And I just want to encourage listeners, you know, I have come back from about everything. I mean, I've had alcohol use disorder and I have had SIBO and leaky gut and beginnings of autoimmune disorders. And I have bulimia for 20 plus years and I had so many different things. Yeah, it was a lot of work on undoing all of that, but I didn't. And if I hadn't said, I'm going to make myself a priority, I'm going to take the time to invest in my future. I wouldn't have one. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing harder than correcting your lifestyle is not correcting it. Like it's not going to get better. That is like my mission, but it's so hard to get women to hear it when they're not in crisis. Like I can't tell you how many friends of mine recently have just ended up in a health crisis and they have there are people like most women, it seems, that really struggle to put themselves first and don't want to take time for themselves. And now they have had to take time for themselves because they are ill. And, you know, if I think about Sharice, my friend who passed away, you know, she is my motivation. And I really struggle to find the messaging without being fear-mongering to say, you know, Exactly as you just said, optimizing your health is so much easier than it is to come back from a health crisis, a disease diagnosis, like whatever condition. So take action now when you maybe have some irritating symptoms, a bit bloated, maybe your blood sugar levels are off or you overweight and you know that's not really healthy for you. Take action now. That is where you're going to step into a better version of yourself, feel better, and move away from this potential train wreck that could be coming for any of us. You know, if we are not in tune with our bodies, understanding what our bodies need at this phase of life. Yeah. What's your favorite? Like, for people who are listening who are like, oh, fuck. I'm like, I'm in trouble here. What we are tempted is, okay, I have to go fix all of it now. You know, and short of signing up for a coaching program, short of radical transformation, what people need to understand is you plant the seeds of transformation. Mm. So what would be your recommendation to plant the seed for somebody? Like for me, I would say, taking five minutes after this podcast to make some notes and then committing to giving yourself five minutes a day of self-reflection and and private time with yourself. If that's the first thing you do, that could lead to bigger and better things. Start there. What would be your start there? So I think the starting point is women understanding their bodies, understanding that our midlife bodies, you know, they're through past menopause, requires something different from us and 
that means unlearning what you knew around health. And so what I would say is to grab one of these books that has been recently, there are so many incredible books focused on perimenopause, menopause, that are, you know, are written in a way that is so easy to digest and mm-hmm. will give you a snapshot of what is normal, what is not normal, what you can do to support yourselves. So they're just, what I would say is educate yourself so that you can do a self-assessment of, am I experiencing a normal perimenopause or are there things that I can actually be doing to start to shift my experience in this phase of life? It's not doom and gloom. It's actually an incredible opportunity for change and growth and uh, the world needs wise healthy women that's what I that's what I say so a book can I just mention a book quickly yeah that is brilliant is it's you can use it so it's by Lara Bryden who's a great doctor naturopathic doctor can you spell that Lara R L-A-R-A and then her surname is Bryden B-R-I-D-E-N And it's called the Hormone Repair Manual and it's for midlife women. And it talks about the shift and you can use it as a manual. So if there's anything that you're struggling with, say endometriosis, adenomyosis, fibroids, because all of these things start to pop up for women in midlife and you can read about it. Well, what are the conventional methods? What are the natural methods? How can I adjust my diet? And it covers everything. That's just one that I love to recommend because you don't have to go through the whole thing. You can use it as a manual. But there's so many different books that have been written. Mindy Pels has written a book on it. Dr. Marisa Snyder has got the essential oils menopause solution. And they all have the similar information. Brilliant. Aviva Ram does as well. That's A-V-I-V-A-R-O-M-M. Yeah, I went through her program. And I just want to tag one word that you said, which was asking yourself if I'm having a normal menopause or whatever. And be careful where you get your definition of normal because it's not normal to be healthy. Four out of five Americans are taking, you know, multiple medications every day. And so I know for me, that was such a pull as I was consciously attracted to holistic health, even before I knew what it was and before I understood, you know, how to do it. I was consciously attracted to these topics, but I was surrounded by people whose normal was every time somebody didn't feel well, we're going to the drugstore, filling up our cart, and then bitching about it later over wine. And so I guess it would be like, look at the ups, look at the downstream impact of the normal that you're surrounding yourself with, because, you know, they even say that like obesity is contagious. You know, when you're Mm. around people, your normal becomes one of theirs. You are the collective reflection of your five, of the five people that you are around or that you look up to, or that you consider normal, even if you're not around them, except maybe virtually. And so be careful 
to surround yourself or to set your definition of normal, maybe be more healthy. Am I in a sustainably well menopause? Is this going well? And be really radically honest with yourself because if you start with the question, am I normal? And the answer is yes, then for sure you're doing it wrong. (laughs) That's why I used air quotes. (laughs) Yeah. The listeners couldn't see that. So I had to tag it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So Cheryl, can you tell the listeners where to find you? Yeah, it's amazing. So my business name is Your Tiny Voice and it's all around connecting to your intuition. And we all have a very powerful intuition, but when we are out of balance, we can't hear our intuition or what we think is intuition is really not intuition. It's just guiding you down the garden path. So Your Tiny Voice. So my website is ytvhealthcoaching.com. My Instagram is your underscore tiny underscore voice and Facebook is YTV Health Coaching. So I'm launching, just for those of you who are interested, I'm launching a four-week course in February, which is called the Midlife Women's Nutritional Toolkit. So this is going deep on education around the midlife hormonal shifts and the nutritional strategies that can support you now and in future with the lens of optimal performance in life. And with midlife, what's your age range? I mean, are you talking perimenopause and menopause? Yeah. With so 40, that- you know, I, I would like women from the age of 35 yeah. to be thinking about this, but generally women only really start to resonate with that from about the age of, of 40. All right. Yeah. So it's 45. So all the strategies that I teach are as essential for women in menopause. I just like women to to start early because it is such a critical window for health, setting your your setting you up so that you don't have these whispers turning into yeah. shouts later yeah. on in life. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show so much. I know our listeners will get so much out of it. So thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. All right. So thank you for listening. And I want to take the time to wish all of you a happy holiday and also to let you know that I'm going to be releasing some bonus episodes over the next couple of weeks. I have so many wonderful interviews that are just sitting there collecting dust because I only release one episode a week and now I'm splitting them into two and my workflow is coming along, but it takes me a lot of time to get these ready to be published. And my challenge to myself is to get past my perfectionism and also give you a gift of these interviews that I don't want to wait months to publish because I probably got 12 sitting there and So over the next few weeks, check back, even if you're a regular listener and you show up on Tuesdays, uh, maybe even later this week, I'll have one. I, I intend to publish five extra bonus episodes. So I will keep you posted as I do each one, but I'm not writing emails. I'm not publishing a bunch of clips on social media. Again, this is me not being a perfectionist about the whole thing so that you have some extra good brain food to feed your mind over the holidays, whether you're driving in the car, traveling in the airports, or just cooking in the kitchen and you want to feed your heart and soul some inspiration and motivation 
just check over here and see if Colleen's put her stuff out. There are some quirky good interviews. Like I wouldn't use them anyway for one of my weekly podcasts. I did an interview with this one guy who's a writer of uh, comedic science fiction. And he does have a recovery story, but that's not one I would probably put into my normal rotation. But it was such a fun conversation. So I'm just collecting all the good extra nuggets that I have, and I'm just going to give them to you, okay, as is, like not even wrapped. I'm not wrapping them. I'm just posting them. So check back every few days and stay connected. If you are not on my insider email list, you want to do that because I send an email every single week talking about not just the podcast that is my I'm highlighting, but also give you invites and early bird access to my low cost or free events. You know, I do a masterclass every week. I'm also offering breathwork sessions once a month, storytelling workshops once a month, and I've got a bunch of new stuff coming in the new year as well that you don't have to be one of my clients to participate in. And if you're not on my email list, you're not going to know about it in in real time. So if you want to stay connected with me because you like what I'm doing, you like my approach to moderate drinking and correcting the problem before it becomes a problem, then get in my show notes and get on my email list. Happy holidays, and I will see you on the flip side.